A recipe for a good day brought to you by Little General Convenience Stores, your neighborhood store. Why fight the lines at the big box chains when Little General Convenience Stores has what you need? Selling only the best quality brands like Gorelick Farms, Boston Salads, Prepared Foods, KM, and Purdue. Little General also sells lottery, tobacco products, and yes, of course, your stop for your daily newspapers. Weekly specials change every Monday, so check online at littlegeneral.com for this week's specials. Plus, littlegeneral.com is the place to go for the delicious recipes you heard here on a recipe for a good day. So whether you're picking up food or products for your home, or if you're looking for food or coffee on the go, shop your neighborhood store. Little General Convenience Stores, open eight days a week. Weekly food get-together brought to you by Little General Convenience Stores. You know it as your convenience store with more open eight days a week. You're asking yourself, well, Jeff, that's all well and nice. They're open eight days a week. Ha ha, we get it, the little Beatles song. Eight days a week. But does that include today? Why, yes, it does. It includes today till 10 o'clock tonight. And we hope you had a wonderful, wonderful uh, Thanksgiving holiday. And we hope our three-part Thanksgiving series was helpful to your get-together. Uh, yesterday, I finished uh, for lunch my Thanksgiving Day turkey. And the last of the turkey breast gone with some hearty gravy. Oh, boy, did I strike a gold mine. Um, Dina, who is still at Lydia Taft for now, she'll be changing uh, jobs in December, uh, works in the kitchen. Uh, the chef, a guy, wonderful guy named Tom, um, had to make four or five turkeys for the nursing home. Wow, my gosh, what a privilege that is. I only got to make one turkey for Thanksgiving. He had the opportunity to make four or five. Imagine having the kitchen. Oh, I'm giddy. That can make four or five turkeys uh, for, for for Thanksgiving lunch. I mean, I would just love that that opportunity to work that kitchen for a day. He's going to be in there for a day, my gosh. Um, and he saved all the drippings from the five turkeys as well as the, the carcasses and so forth and did the boil down in the big pot, simmered it down, reduced it tremendously and was kind enough to send me a nice container of the simmered, reduced uh, turkey uh, uh, leavings to make a gravy with. I just drooled talking about the, <laughs> the gravy. It was so... Amazing, um, absolutely amazing. Uh, and uh, Tom and Lydia Teff, thank you so much for that. And I finished that off yesterday as well. But weep not for me. No, 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 no. Turkey number two yesterday went in the wet brine, went through the deep frost in the wet brine. I'll be cooking it tomorrow and I'll be eating turkey again by Friday. Uh, and uh, again, weep not for me when turkey number two is gone. Uh, when uh, when we left our last program, my intention was to make Canadian meat stuffing. But when heading out on uh, Wednesday night to pick up our last of the few items, our intent was to grab what we needed for the meat stuffing. Uh, and I, I saw this glorious, beautiful... Shady Brook Farms, 22-pound turkey for $10.50. And I'm like, uh-huh, yeah. Uh, hey, Dina, how would you feel about a third turkey? We don't need a third turkey. Okay. But after pricing out what we would have paid for the meat stuffing bowl, even she agreed we'd be foolish not to get that turkey. So in my freezer, turkey number three 
a 22-pound gorgeous bird that I'll be cooking after I eat turkey number two. Um, Johnny is concerned, Johnny Reynolds, uh, that I will have a turkey hangover. And I says, yes, but the best cure for a turkey hangover is a Christmas ham. So I think I'm in good shape for the holiday season. Hey, for, you know, these prices up here in the Northeast for turkeys was too good to pass up. Um, the major, uh, We understand we're talking major box chains, and we at Little General know that you do shop other places, but uh, we ask you to consider Little General convenience stores when you can. And, you know, bottom line is a convenience store uh, like Little General, as much as it can do for us with their amazing delis, just was unable to really compete with the 49 cents a pound turkeys that were sold by the box chains. Did you happen to see, there was a story out, I think it was Thanksgiving morning, about the prices of turkeys across the country? The average national price for frozen turkey was $2 a pound. We were paying 25% of that here in the Northeast. The highest, and it's outrageous, West Los Angeles, $188 was the average for a 16-pound turkey. That's why I'm eating so much turkey here in the Northeast, and we hope you did too. And as always, we want to hear about your kitchen successes and also your kitchen disasters, so we all can learn from our missteps. Um, And I did have a kitchen disaster. Uh, I started my menu off with, um, see, in the morning, when I left here Thanksgiving morning at 9, I went home and I made us egg, chive, and shredded pepper jack cheese omelets and I finally perfected that French trifold for the omelets. It was gorgeous. At lunch I was in a craving for kielbasa. <laughs> I caramelized onions and kielbasa for sandwiches for lunch. Low fat kielbasa by the way. But when I went to make my always perfect caramelized onions I grabbed my kosher salt and I always used the sprinkle side. For some reason, the dump side was open. And a big old shot of kosher salt, way too much, went into that oil. That was the last of my olive oil. Uh, I tried to muscle through it, but they, they were absolutely, you couldn't, there was no turning back. The caramelized onions were ruined. But my kielbasa sandwich was still delicious because I had a hankering for kielbasa. And then our evening nightcap was our turkey dinner. With the potatoes, the vegetables, and that amazing gravy. All I had to do was make a roux, strain the, 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 the remnants which I received from the kitchen, and the gravy was amazing. Um, and I didn't have to do all that reduction work, which was nice. So we hope you had a pleasant one. Where are we going over the next uh, a few days, a few weeks, likely? Uh, we're moving into this cold weather, and we're going to be talking about Things that warm up your gullet. We're going to be talking soups, stews, bisques, chowders. Um, and I think it's going to be such a big program, it's going to take two weeks to lay it out. So we'll get through what we can this week, and we'll continue it next week. Soups, stews, chowders, and bis is where we'll be heading. Uh, and then we'll get into our holiday for Christmas kitchen conversation. So we've got a full agenda, but as always, we tell you what's on sale at Little General Stores everywhere for two reasons. One... Well, they're the title sponsor. It's, it's Recipe for a Good Day, brought to you by Low General Convenience Stores. Uh, in addition to that, uh, we want to know what is on our shopping agenda. So here we go. Again, the following items are on sale now through close of business on Sunday, which is 10 o'clock in the evening. So uh, we'll start off with the meats. Uh, they have two great products on sale. One cube steak, $5.99. Of course, that is what you want for your uh, country fried steak. That is what you want. I, I, last time I had the cube steak, I made the steak pizziola, and Dina loved it. I loved it. It was absolutely delicious. Those recipes, if you take a look at littlegeneral.com, you see listen to recipe for a good day. You can scroll and find our cubes steak edition. Uh, $5.99 a pound for cube steak. And I'll tell you, 
it, this is a foolproof piece of meat in a crock pot. It's almost impossible to screw up spoon roast. Spoon roast, five eighty nine a pound. Um, it is so tender. Of course, you can shred it with a spoon. Man, in a slow cooker, that's the way to go. Uh, slow cooker, remember, low and slow. That's why you're using it in the first place. Uh, so low setting, let ride the long time. It'll be absolutely delicious. And uh, even if your Thanksgiving was a disaster, your spoon roast will not be. Little General, again, five eighty nine a pound. Now, as always, luncheon meats, some great items on sale. From Pauline, it is cooked ham. Four eighty nine a pound, a wonderful ham product for only four eighty nine a pound. A low fat in that cooked ham as well, right out of Canada. And we have uh, fresco turkey breast, all natural. A fresco turkey breast, a fantastic price for sliced lunch meat, seven ninety eight a pound. Outstanding price. K M Franks, old time Franks. They should have a snap to them. Six eighty nine a pound for the KM Franks uh, Genoa Hot Sweet Capicola. Seven eighty nine a pound. And from Boston Salads, they have two great offerings this week. One, the tortellini salad for five eighty nine a pound. And boy, isn't this great for this time of year? Heated up with a little vanilla ice cream, apple crisp. Six. Eighty-nine a pound. In addition, you can get your half and half cream for your coffee needs or your blending needs for two forty-nine, and um, that is for a pint. And hoodsy cups. You remember the good old-fashioned hoodsy's cups? Remember back when Hood had those hoodsy cups, which was little wooden spoons. Well, the hoodsy cups are back at Little General, and it's five eighty-nine for an eight-pack. And uh, that's the ultimate portion control. If you have no willpower for controlling yourself with ice cream, you need hoodsy cups. And uh, kids of all ages, even the, even the uh, kid that is coming home from work tonight will be happy a little dessert. A hoodsy, you, you, you become a child again when you hold that little wooden stick spoon in, in, in your hand. Hoodsy cups on sale. They're back at Low General Stores. Five eighty nine an eight pack. So those are some of the items that you can get right now. And remember, as we enter the holiday season, party platters are always available. Now we just went through Thanksgiving. We know it's a big cooking day for us because well we we don't have other things to do with Thanksgiving. I mean, there's always things to do, but with Christmas you have to. Uh, make sure your house is decorated uh, properly. There's a lot more decorating for Christmas than Thanksgiving, let's face it. You've got to make sure the gifts are wrapped. Uh, you're going to be greeting guests. You're going to be opening guests. You're going to be cleaning up after wrapping paper. So maybe you're not going to cook every course. But when your guests arrive, your family, your friends arrive for your holiday get-together, y- y- you don't want to be stuck in the kitchen. The party platters are a perfect way. So let Little General cater your home or or business event, uh, your holiday party, with a party platter available. Give them a call. Place your order. Ask them what they have available. They'll be glad to tell you. And you can always check them out online, littlegeneral.com, littlegeneral.com. And uh, remember, they are open every day, 5 to 10 p.m. And they do have catering available. They got cheese platters that will serve approximately 16 people with an assortment of cheese. That's my favorite. You get your American, your cheddar, your pepper jack, your provolone, your Swiss cheese. And of course, you need something to cleanse the palate in between cheeses. And that's where the grapes come in. Uh, They have the value platter. That'll serve about 16 people with Virginia ham, cooked salami, bologna, American cheese, cherry tomatoes, cucumber wedges. Uh, They have an elite platter, which takes it up a notch with roast beef, Virginia ham, turkey breast, provolone cheese, cherry tomatoes, black olives, and cucumber slices. If you're not into meats, they have a veggie platter just for you. And again, all platters serve approximately 16 people. That'll have cauliflower, broccoli, celery, carrots, peppers, cherry tomatoes, and of course... The very important dip. Uh, They have the Deli Delight platter, which uh, moves the cheeses aside and sticks to the meats. Cooked salami, turkey breast, roast beef, imported ham, orange, cucumber, and tomato slices. And then they have the Italian platter for Dominic the Italian donkey. Uh, We have Genoa salami, mortadella, 
imported ham. It's impossible to say mortadella and not sound Italian, isn't it? Imported ham, cooked salami, bologna, American cheese, cherry tomatoes, and cucumber wedges. Those are some of the platters available. Um, don't wait. Maybe uh, you're having an office party. Maybe you're having a get-together with family and friends. Either way, uh, a custom platter from Little General is the way to go. And uh, we gave you a look at some of the specialty platters. But again, they can customize for you. So call and place your order. Let them know the date, what you're looking for. And you'll be on your way to a successful holiday event. We're going to change up the format a little bit this week because uh, over this week and likely next week, we're going to be dealing with soups, stews, bisques, and chowders. Chowder. And we're going to let uh, Johnny Reynolds and Reynolds Wrap set the uh, table, so to speak. Uh, pun intended, uh, as Johnny lays out the, the differences uh, between soups and stews and chowders and bisques. Oh, my. Soups and chowders and stews and bisques. Oh, my. Here he is. Betty, are you ready? That Reynolds wrap by here, Betty? You bet you, Pat. Reynolds wrap makes this whole cooking and cleanup thing so easy. Reynolds wrap makes good food better. The great thing about Reynolds Wrap is it's the one wrap you can depend on. Just a little Reynolds Wrap can do more for a woman than any other wrap. Having an extra Wednesday in this month allows me to present one final chapter in a Thanksgiving food saga to that of a different look at what to do with the various side dishes we've all come to love even after the grandest gastronomic festival. My fellow gastronomes, when the big meal is concluded, do you almost immediately engage in composing a post-holiday soup of sorts? I'm actually one of those who enjoy a bowl of pottage any day of the year. My original idea was to direct your attention on what else to do with Thanksgiving side dishes. However, after consulting with Jeff, he suggested revisiting the differences between a soup, a stew, a chowder, and a bisque using those side plates as ingredients. So, in the time allowed, let's get cooking. Let's start with soup. The definition of a soup is any liquid dish typically made by boiling meats, vegetables, or grains in a stock or water. You know, we've all had that turkey soup ad nauseum this month, but have you even considered making a hearty vegetable soup using that butternut squash, turnips, and all the rest, and then thickening that soup with the stuffing? I have, and oh man, is it good. Now a stew. A stew is a combination of solid food ingredients that have been cooked in liquid and served in the resultant gravy. It's usually a lot thicker than the others. Stewing is suitable for the least tender cuts of meat that have become tender and juicy with a slow moist heat application called braising. This makes it popular for low-cost cooking. Cuts with a certain amount of marbling and gelatinous connective tissue give moist, juicy stews, while leaner meats may easily become dry. How about a chowder? Now, everybody here in southern New England knows about chowder. It's a soup usually thickened with a roux that's equal amounts of volume of a fat and flour, thoroughly mixed before adding a liquid, or a cornstarch slurry and prepared with milk or cream and seafood or vegetables. Hmm, I'm kind of reminded of the great chowder cook-off in Newport on the first Saturday in June. There, you'll recognize that chowders made with ingredients other than seafood had its own category. And now, a bisque. B-I-S-Q-U-E. A bisque is a smooth, creamy, highly seasoned soup of French origin, classically based on a strained broth of crustaceans. It can be made from lobster, langostinos, crab, shrimp, or crayfish. The term bisque is also sometimes used to refer to a cream-based soup that does not contain seafood in which the pre-cooked ingredients are pureed or processed in a food processor or a food mill. Common varieties include squash, tomato, mushroom, banana, or butternut squash. I'm reminded that a neighborhood diner in Taunton, when I worked out there, served it seasonally and is seasoned with earthy spices like cumin. You know, there are a plethora of recipes in each of these food styles. And depending on what you like best, feel free to email us for suggestions at this address. Ask the chef at WNRI.com. For Recipe for a Good Day, I'm Johnny Reynolds, and that's a wrap. Reynolds Wrap. Wouldn't you hate to be without it? Little General Stores is ready to serve you every day with great locally roasted coffee, as well as the best prices for all your deli meats. Little General Convenience Stores, we're here for you.
salami, Tommy. Give it the gravy, Davy. Everybody eats when they come to my house. Try a tomato plate too. Here's cacciatore, Dory. Taste the bologna, Tony. Everybody eats when they come to my house. All right, I hope they ate when they came to your house, uh, especially during the holiday season. Uh, so, Johnny, thank you for laying that out, where we're heading. Uh, we're going to start out with soups. Uh, it could be a two-week, uh, it's definitely going to be a two-week series. You never know, it could extend out to three. I have so much uh, prepared information to share with you. But we're going to start out with soups. We'll see how far we get today, and we'll continue the series once we are done with our soups, stews, bisques, and chowders. Then we will shift gears into our Christmas kitchen needs. But we're going to get started talking about, um, you know, mistakes you might be making when making a soup and uh, things that you should be doing instead. Uh, so let's get started. First of all, when you, speaking about starting, we're going to talk about starting your soups and how do you start your soups. And one mistake people make is not starting out with your aromatics and your fat. A bit of fat, usually butter, olive oil, essential to a robust soup. So fat is, a, of course, we know it's a vehicle for flavor. It helps brown the vegetables. And almost all soup recipes begin with aromatics cooked in hot fat. So what do we mean by the aromatics? The vegetables that add in overall flavor to the soup. But they're not primary ingredients, the secondary, uh, the supporting actors, if you will, not the movie stars. So if you're watching the Oscars, the carrot would be best supporting uh, actor in a chicken soup. The chicken would be the star. You get where we're going with that. So you're thinking onions, garlic, leeks, celery, herbs, uh, every soup recipe that you'll ever need is going to start out with some sort of aromatics and fat. Uh, not browning your vegetables. Now, it is tempting to just chop the vegetables and throw them in the pot. It's soup. It's easy. Add the broth in, let it simmer until it's tender. But if you take the time to brown all your ingredients before adding the broth, you're going to get that again. Extra flavor and sweetness. Activate those, those flavors. After the aromatics have cooked, dropped in your chopped vegetables, let them brown on all sides, and then add, uh, add the rest and move on from there. Uh, onions, not cooking your onions through before putting in the soup. Now, it depends on what you're looking for. But, uh, uh, of course, we, we're familiar with French onion soup, and we'll talk a bit about that today. But they, they, they're sweet. It's a great base for any soup. But uh, just uh, before you add any acidic ingredients, we're going to be talking about adding acidity to your soups. Onions must be cooked thoroughly before adding the acidic ingredients. We're talking any tomatoes, wine, balsamics. Once they're cooked, you can add any ingredients. And then as a bonus, the longer cooking time will continue to draw out extra sweetness. But you won't uh, ruin or hurt, hurt the onion. Under-seasoning soups, well, many cooks wait until the end of cooking to taste and season their soups. But go ahead, try adding salt and other spices early in the cooking process so the flavors can blend to the entire soup, not just the broth. So adding salt to veggies right away actually pulls out more of flavor from them. It's essential seasonings every cook should have putting them in earlier and not waiting until the very end. Um, forgetting to add what is called umami. Umami is uh, other types of ingredients besides salts, uh, especially if you're watching your, your sodium intake. We're talking tomato paste, Parmesan rind to, to add to the soup for deep, um, savory flavor and body as well. Over-seasoning, that can be bad as well. Yeah, can you over-season a soup? You're darn right you can, especially over-salting your soup. Uh, and especially if you're not using a low-sodium broth base because uh, you're just doubling up the soup. So you can actually save it. If you do accidentally over-salt your soup, uh, you're just going to add in more water. You're going to dilute that soup. So as it simmers down, you may do a few more refills. Don't throw away your soup pan. It may be savable. If you don't want to water your soup down, though, well, there's another method. You can try adding one or two unseasoned potatoes and let them simmer in the mix. Why potatoes? Because they're going to soak up a lot of that salty broth. 
Then you can add a bit of water to balance it out. So avoid oversalting um, and try not using a, a, a broth or, 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 or not using a broth or a um, or try making your own broth would be a mistake and just starting a soup with plain old water. Water is good if you have to, again, counterbalance the uh, high salt. But again, flavor, flavor, and what's the third thing soup needs? Oh, flavor. Uh, it's uh, easy to make a quick broth using some scraps from your vegetables. You, you've already cut up to use in the soup. For instance, butternut squash, sweet potato peels, simmered in water for a few moments. Makes a quick broth that's much more flavorful than plain water. So it uses only food scraps that you have on hand anyway. Why not? If you have more time, then you can try making some homemade chicken stock. We'll cover that another time. But it is easy to use uh, some grains in the soup as well. Uh, you toss a bit, a bit of pasta or rice directly into the simmering soup to cook it. But what happens? The grain soaks up a ton of liquid as it cooks. You're losing your flavorful broth. And even more as the soup cools. So you're going to be cooking your grains and pasta separately. Then ladle them into the soup bowls. If you have leftovers, you're still, you're going to store them in separate containers in the fridge. Don't mix your soups and your pastas early. You're going to lose your broth. You're going to end up with very mushy pasta you're not going to enjoy. So again, store them separate, cook them separate, plate them separate. Uh, not using an immersion blender. Again, if you need to puree your soup, pouring soup into a blender can be uh, a, a heck of an activity, but you can simplify it by using uh, an immersion blender. Uh, you know them as stick blenders. You, you can get them just about anywhere from maybe 9 to $12, even on a lower model. It's not very expensive, but it's a handheld device. You stick it right into the soup pot to blend, and it makes the work much simpler, uh, more simple and, uh, and tidier as well. The immersion blender, you can get them at uh, pretty much any, uh, I don't want to promote it, there's a discount store up the uh, street where I got mine. I think it was, under, I think it was maybe eight ninety nine or seven ninety nine. I paid for mine and absolutely love it. Uh, not adding acids to the soup. If a soup is tasting bland in the bowl, try adding acid rather than salt. Big difference. Uh, squeeze a little lemon or lime, a dash of yogurt, sour cream. can add some brightness to the bowl. Lemony chicken soup, doesn't that just make your mouth water? And, and another, one, one problem people have, though, is they always follow a recipe. The thing I love most about soups is the experimentation of it. The idea is to add something, tasting it. What are you missing? What could it use? Are you overdoing it? Are you underdoing it? The process, do you take it through another reduction process? Some foods require exact recipes. We're not baking here. We're making soups. And that's where creativity comes into play. So take advantage of the flexibility of a soup. If you've got a few extra vegetables um, that are going to be on their last legs in your vegetable drawer, in your crisper, they call it, well, go ahead, dice them up, add them to the soup. you got leftover meats, cut them up, add them to the soup. Need extra time out of the house, throw the soup in a slow cooker, let the slow cooker do the work. Um, double up your recipe if you are working a recipe. And this is something that I've found true. Soups are easy to make in large batches. And one of the most freezer-friendly dishes around. So double up on your ingredients and freeze the leftovers. You'll have them and they reheat so easily after defrostation. Um, now, again... Portion the servings. You're serving hot soup. Make sure it is hot soup. So the ideal serving size for an appetizer portion, about one cup, a meal portion, not as heavy or as you think, only about one and a third cups. And, of course, let the soups cool a bit at room temperature uncovered for about one and a half hours, uh, one to uh, one and a half hours, almost at room temperature, Cover it, refrigerate it till cool at that point. Um, your soup can last in the fridge for up to three days, but you do want your soups to cool before putting them into the fridge uh, somewhat. Uh, and as far as freezing, again, after they've been chilled overnight in the fridge, then you can transfer your soup to the freezer where it should last up to two months. So there's some... Um, 
some good tips there. There's a few other tips for you on soups, though. Um, talk about sweating the vegetables. Again, uh, onion, garlic, celery, carrots, aromatics. Sweat them up a bit. Uh, get them sautéed in oil and butter. Let them flavor up. Let them soften before moving on to the next step. And as far as your vegetables, chop them in spoon sizes. Remember, you're going to be eating it with a spoon, not a fork. You can't fork the big pieces and shove it in there. So when you're chopping your vegetables, how big you want them to be? You want them to fit on your spoon. It's a great way to make sure that your soup is edible. Um, you Can you over... This is a great question. Can you over boil soup? That answer is yes. You absolutely can. That's the difference between simmer and boil. Once your soup comes to a boil, you don't leave it at a raging boil. You reduce it to a simmer and you make sure it stays there. If you boil your soup too vigorously or too much of a raging boil, the vegetables are just going to get mushy. The meat's going to get tough. It's like running your oven at a higher heat on a turkey. The noodles, they'll start to break down. So there's a big difference between boiling your soup and simmering your soup. Um, make sure you're simmering. Once it returns to, once it hits a boil, reduce it. Let it simmer. Let it reduce. Uh, cream. Do you add cream or milk? Well, that's up to you. Creamy soups are thicker than clearer soups. We know this, but they shouldn't be too thick. You're looking for the consistency of a whipping cream as the thickest they should ever be. And cream should always be warmed before adding to your soup. Why do you warm? So what I do is if I'm going to add, say, a cup of cream, I leave it on the stove. Not on the burner, but on the stove. Get it to warm up. Then I slowly add it to the soup. If you take it right out of the fridge, drop it in the boiling soup, chances are you're going to curdle the cream or milk. And at that point, your soup is ruined. You don't recover from adding and curdling your soup. Uh, cold milk will curdle immediately upon being directly putting in the simmering soup. So again, milk should also be warmed. It doesn't react well to boiling. If you're making hot chocolate with milk, you don't boil it. You warm it. Um, so just take a moment. Think of how much it'll thin out once it's added. Uh, and again, let your cream, let your milk uh, warm up before adding it into a piping hot soup. We got some soup. Now that we got you ready for soup, we got some great soup recipes that's going to follow this edition of Seasonings Greetings. And now it's time for Seasonings Greetings, a segment dedicated to all things that add flavor to our favorite food. And here is your host of Seasonings Greetings, the Sage of Stroganoff, the Baron of Barbecue, the Prince of Piccata, Johnny Reynolds Jr. Let's talk about saffron. Two weeks ago, my fellow gastronomes, we focused on turmeric. And it was mentioned it has similar qualities to saffron, but at a fraction of a cost. Well, I'm just mad about saffron. Oh, saffron's mad about me. Saffron is a spice derived from the flower saffron crocus. The vivid crimson stigma and styles called threads are then collected and dried for used mainly as a seasoning and coloring agent in food. Although some doubts remain on its origin, it's believed that saffron originated in the nation of Iran. However, Greece and Mesopotamia have also suggested that the possible region of origin of this plant. Saffron crocus slowly propagated through much of Eurasia and was later brought to parts of North America, North Africa, and Oceania. Saffron's taste and hay-like fragrance result from photochemicals. It also contains a carotenoid pigment, crocin, which imparts a rich golden yellow hue to dishes and textiles. Have you ever tried using this with rice? Wow! The high retail value of saffron is maintained on world markets because of labor-intensive harvesting methods, which, get this, they require some 440,000 hand-picked saffron stigmas per kilogram, that's 200,000 stigmas per pound, equivalently 150,000 crocus flowers per kilogram or 70,000 flowers per pound. 40 hours of labor are needed to pick 150,000 flowers. The cost of saffron would start at around $550 and go up to $4,800 per pound 
at current market prices. Now, one of the great international dishes is Spanish paella, one of Spain's signature dishes. Hey, it's even got its own United Nations of flavors known around the world. The most common types of paella are chicken paella, seafood paella, or mixed paella, which is a combination of seafood, meats, and veggies. The main ingredients in every paella dish are rice, saffron, chicken, and vegetables. From there, ingredients vary depending on the type of paella or region where it's made. The classic easy paella recipe include onion, bell pepper, garlic, tomatoes, parsley, and frozen peas. For spices, bay leaf, paprika, saffron, salt, and pepper. Now, let's talk about saffron for just a sec. This may be the most important ingredient in paella, so it's best to buy the high quality. If your grocery store doesn't carry it, try an international food market or even Amazon.com. If necessary, you can substitute one teaspoon of saffron powder. The seafood included is jumbo shrimp, mussels, and calamari, and also chicken thighs. I like thighs since they don't dry out as easily during longer cook times. Funny thing, though, the term paella actually refers to the pan it's cooked in. That's a lot of good stuff and a lot of good eating. That's this week's segment on saffron. A many thanks to my friend Donovan for including it in his song, Mellow Yellow. Now, back to more recipe for a good day on WNRI. I'm Johnny Reynolds. Recipe for a Good Day, brought to you by Little General Convenience Stores, with locations for your shopping needs throughout the Blackstone Valley, 2-in-1 Socket, Manville Road, and Cumberland Hill Road, Great Road, North Smithfield, Chapel Street in Boroughville, and Central Avenue in Pawtucket. Always hot, always fresh coffee stations to get your day started. Grab-and-go meals, perfectly prepared for you, whether it's for an easy lunch to get you through your work day, or to make an easy, satisfying dinner to end your day. And of course, delicious deli items from top-of-the-line lunch meats to top-of-the-line steak and chicken products. Oh, and of course, always fresh ground hamburg. Stay up to date on each week's sale items by going online at littlegeneral.com, your convenience store with more. Little General, where you always get a smile, a please, and a thank you. Open every day, including today. Proud sponsors of Recipe for a Good Day, Little General Convenience Stores. talking soups today because when I was preparing Thanksgiving, the three-part series that was, I came across a creamy turnip soup. And this is the one that led us to the what will likely be a series here as we'll continue it next week. Whether it's two or three weeks will unfold. So we'll be dealing with soup the rest of this program. But it all started when I came across this absolutely stunningly delicious looking creamy turnip soup. Um, and so I'm going to give you the ingredients. We'll cover the method, and we're going to give you several soup recipes uh, as we move through the remainder of this program. Uh, again, we move through the recipes rather quick for radio, but there's plenty of ways for you to get them at your time, on your time. Uh, and that is going to littlegeneral.com, where you can look at the bottom of any page. You see, listen to a recipe for a good day. You click that, and it'll bring you to the archives, and we do put the menus uh, with the show so you can see what's discussed on each program. Uh, the other way is if you are on Spotify, you can, in fact, uh, go ahead and look under podcasts. You put in Recipe for a Good Day. You're going to see those iconic red low general letters, and that'll bring you to... Uh, recipe for a good day, same thing. Menus are there and you'll have the archives. If you favorite it or follow it, you'll be updated each time a new episode is posted. And you can start, stop it, back it up very easily through these players. Uh, another method now is Saturday at 2 o'clock there is a replay. So you can go ahead and record it at home uh, if you wish Saturday at 2 o'clock. So if there's something you like on a Wednesday, Saturday at 2 o'clock you get a second round at it. So here are the ingredients for creamy 
turnip soup, and it just looks magnificent. One medium onion chopped, two tablespoons butter, three garlic cloves minced, one half cup white wine or reduced sodium chicken broth, three pounds of turnips peeled and cut into one-inch cubes, one carton 32-ounce reduced sodium chicken broth, one medium potato peeled and cubed, one cup half and half cream, one half teaspoon of salt, a half teaspoon of ground nutmeg, three cups of fresh baby spinach, and a half teaspoon of olive oil. Uh, so you're going to get out your Dutch oven. You're going to saute the onion in butter until it gets tender. You're going to add in the garlic. Cook that for about another minute, stirring it the whole time. And then stir in your wine. Bring it to a boil. Cook it until the liquid is reduced by half. Then you're going to add the turnips, the broth, the potato. Bring it up to a boil. Reduce that heat. Simmer it uncovered for about 20 to 25 minutes or until vegetables are tender. Let it cool slightly. Then we're talking about food processor. Uh, again, we're looking to smooth the soup. If you're not going to use a food processor, well, then you can use your, uh, your insertable blender, your stick blender, we'll call it. Uh, meanwhile, process that soup in batches until it runs smooth. Return it all to the pan. At that point at the end, again, warm your cream while this process is happening. And then stir in the cream, the salt, and nutmeg. Heat it throughout. Get a large stick, non-stick uh, non skillet. Saute your spinach in oil until it becomes tender. And then just, boom, add it together. And garnish with soup. And you can just go ahead and drop some of those spinach leaves on top. Think of the spinach leaves as a garnish on top of that creamy turnip soup. And it just looks magnificent. And that was the catalyst for today's program. Um, how about a cream of vegetable soup? Uh, we're going to give you a warming cream of vegetable soup recipe with the ingredients being a medium onion chopped, three-quarter cup butter, a half cup of all-purpose flour, three cans, about ten and a half ounces each, of undiluted uh, uh, chicken broth condensed. Four cups of chicken broth uh, would be the other way. So you're either going to go with three cans of condensed chicken broth undiluted or four cups of regular low-sodium chicken broth. Two cups of milk. Again, warm them before adding. Now you're putting them in the microwave. Just let them... Get to be room temperature. Two cups of half and half cream. Um, in addition to the two cups of milk. Uh, one teaspoon of dried basil. A half teaspoon of salt. A half teaspoon of pepper. A, half, a quarter teaspoon of garlic powder. And five cups of chopped leftover cooked mixed vegetables. Whatever you might have. Could be broccoli. Could be carrots. Could be cauliflower. Uh, in a Dutch oven, saute the onion and butter. Let it tender. Add in the flour. Stir and let it blend. Gradually add the broth. Bring it back to a boil. Cook it. Stir it for about two minutes until it gets thickened. At that point, stir in the milk, the cream, the basil, the salt, the pepper, and garlic powder. And add in those vegetables, whatever they may be. Cook it gently until it's heated through and enjoy your warming cream of vegetable soup. And that's a great way to clear out what is in your crisper at any time. Um... It is the holiday season, so uh, the fall season still. So we're going to give you a pumpkin soup recipe if you'd like. Uh, this is another creamy soup. Uh, we're going to start off with a half cup of finely chopped onions, two tablespoons of butter, one tablespoon of all-purpose flour, two cans, 14 and a half ounces each of chicken broth, one can, 15 ounces of solid packed pumpkin, uh, one teaspoon of brown sugar, a quarter teaspoon of salt, an eighth teaspoon of pepper, an eighth teaspoon of ground nutmeg, and one cup heavy whipping cream. And if you want, you can do pumpkin seeds. That's optional. Get out your saucepan, saute your onion and butter, tenderize it, remove it from the heat, stir in the flour until smooth, then gradually stir in the broth, the pumpkin, the brown sugar, the salt, the pepper, the nutmeg, return it to a boil, and then reduce that heat and simmer it for about five minutes or so. Then add the cream, cook for 
two minutes until it's heated throughout and just simply garnish it with some pumpkin seeds if you'd like to float them on top for a creamy pumpkin soup during your fall season. And as you move into the winter, you got to love a good old-fashioned split pea soup. Four quarts of chicken broth, low sodium, two pounds of dried split peas, one cup of chopped ham, a half cup of chopped onion, a half cup of chopped celery, two teaspoons of salt, and two teaspoons of pepper. Very simple, and you're going to use your crock pot here for this one. Uh, and we're going to go low for 8 to 10 hours. I'm not a fan of using a crock pot for a high, for a high heat. But if you wanted to, you obviously have to cut that time down to 4 to 6 hours. Um, but I'm gonna, I usually go 8 hours on low. Um, put all, and, and this one here, you're going to just put all your ingredients in that 6 or 7 quart crock pot. Slow cooker. Whatever you want to call it. Stir it well to combine it. And I'm going to go low 8 to 10 hours. And you're going to use a hand mixer or a hand blender on low. And you're going to do um, blend it until it becomes nice and smooth. And you have a great old-fashioned split pea soup that just spells New England. Uh, we have a quick message. We're going to return here in a moment as we move through our recipe for a good day Wednesday. I also want to remind you uh, that I do keep the recipes here at WNRI for the remainder of the work week. I take them home with me on Friday. So you can email the program uh, and ask for a recipe. I'll be glad to scan it and email it to you as well. That's another great way to participate uh, without actually having to go through writing it all down. So if you email, well, I'm going to let the message tell you about it. If you have a question from your kitchen or a recipe you'd like to share, we'd love to hear from you. Just email the show at asktheshef at WNRI.com. That's asktheshef at WNRI.com. All right. Remember, you can email asktheshef at WNRI.com. Just let me know what recipe you want. I'll be glad to um, scan it and send it your way. Uh, this way here, it makes it even easier for you. And again, um, I've uh, decided to keep, I keep the recipes now at the station through the end of the work week. So Friday, I will take them home. So if you do hear something on Wednesday you like, just send an email and you'll have it um, by the end of the week. Uh, we are talking slow cooking your soups right now. We have a couple more offerings. We should be able to get through these too. We'll talk about a beef, lentil, and onion soup. Uh, and again, crock pot cooking. Uh, you're going to use some nonstick cooking spray, about three-quarter pound of lean, boneless stew meat pieces, roughly one-inch pieces, two cups of chopped carrots, one cup of sliced celery, one cup uncooked lentils, two teaspoons of dried thyme, if you have the thyme, a quarter teaspoon of black pepper, one-eighth teaspoon of salt, Three and a quarter cups of water and one can, about 10 ounces of condensed French onion soup, undiluted. And again, crock pot cooking, so easy. Set it on low. You're going to go for seven or eight hours. You're going to spray a large skillet with the cooking spray. Uh, heat your skillet over medium heat. Add in the beef. Uh, cook it until it's browned on all sides. Place the carrots, the celery, and the lentils in a three and a half to four quart crock pot slow cooker. Top with beef, sprinkle with thyme, pepper, salt, pour in the water, soup over the mixture, uh, cover it, cook it on low for about eight hours, high, again, you're going about four, I don't like high on the crock pot, until the meat and lentils become tender and enjoy your beef, lentil, and onion soup. What a gorgeous soup that is. Uh, and speaking of onion, why not do French onion soup? Why not go with a caramelized French onion soup? So, what are we going to need? And this is likely our final soup of the day. You're going to need four extra large sweet onions, peeled, quartered, and cut into quarter-inch slices. A quarter cup, about a half a stick of butter. Two cups of dry white wine. Eight cups of beef or vegetable broth, divided and low sodium. Two cups of water. 
one tablespoon of minced fresh thyme if you have the time, six cups of large seasoned croutons, and one cup of shredded Swiss cheese for the caramelized French onion soup. Uh, so here we go. One, you're going to uh, heat the skillet over medium heat until it's hot. Add in the butter and the onions. Cook stirring occasionally until it's soft and caramelized about 45 to 50 minutes. That's not how I caramelize my onions. I use olive oil, probably about, uh, I'd say, at least a third of a cup. Uh, I do about three, four pounds, of, three onions, uh, pounds of onions uh, at the whack because you want the weight in the pan. You can see a past edition where I break down caramelized onions, kosher salt, balsamic vinegar. Those are the only ingredients you would need for caramelizing your onions. The natural way, I go about 90 minutes. Um, the longer you go, the darker it gets on a low heat, the more of that sweet savoriness comes out and they get extra sticky. But um, heat the skillet, according to the recipe, you're going to do a quick caramelize in a pan with butter. Uh, add in your wine to the skillet. Let the liquid reduce. Of course, scrape up any good flavor off that pan as well. Uh, it should reduce to about a half a cup, actually, simmering for about 15 minutes. And then transfer it to the slow cooker. Add in the broth, the water, the thyme to the slow cooker. This one calls for a high heat on two and a half hours. I'm assuming it's because of the amount of uh, skillet cooking that has gone on already. And then you're simply going to serve, ladle the soup into individual oven-proof soup bowls. Top each bowl with one crouton and sprinkle with cheese. Preheat the oven broiler. That's when you're going to put your bowls on the top oven rack. And you're going to give it a broil for about three to five minutes. And you're going to melt that cheese, get it golden brown. That's one of the best parts of a French onion soup is that melted surface cheese. And as um, one soup company says, it's mm -mm good. So we covered soups today. Next week, we're going to pick it up on stews. And we'll move into bisques and chowders. Uh, so the, uh, the winter weather uh, soup stews, chowders and bisques, oh my, will continue next week. Meanwhile, I want to remind you of your shopping list for this week and then talking about little general convenience stores where they have some great items, including cube steak on sale for $5.99 a pound. Great for country fried steak, steak pizziola, or any other. You can get very creative with cube steak, so have fun with that one. Spoon roast, again, so tender, slow cooker, $5.89 a pound. It's an almost foolproof cook to delight your family and friends. Genoa hot sweet capicola, $5.89 a pound from Pauline in Canada. Cooked ham, $4.89 a pound. And the KM Old Time Franks, $6.89 a pound. Um, great price for uh, all-natural alfresco turkey breast, $7.98 a pound there. And uh, don't forget, from Boston Salads, you have tortellini salad for $5.89 a pound. And Boston Salads, apple crisp for $6.89 a pound. So that does it. That brings a wrap to this week's recipe for a good day. We thank you for being with us here on the program and join us next week as we continue our soups and stews and uh, bisques and chowders. Oh my, here on recipe for a good day. And if there's something you want to hear or you have a question, again, you can email talk at WNRI.com. Thanks for being with us. Bon appetit.